Hey, Nathan L. Welcome to Devotionables, Brief Devotions for Busy People. My name is Bailey Marzen, and today we're going to be talking about Exodus chapters 8 and 9. Uh, our, our Bible reading plan has brought us to the beginning of Exodus, and we see that the Israelites, um, after moving there with Joseph uh, during the famine, have now been enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt and are suffering hardship. They're suffering calamity at the hands of the Egyptians, and, and God has said, no more. I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt. And so we see specifically in chapters 8 and 9, the 10 plagues. We see God sets apart, sets apart Moses to deliver his people from Egypt by confronting Pharaoh uh, and declaring God's coming judgment on Pharaoh. Basically telling Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them come to me that they may serve me, uh, lest these plagues come to pass. And we see 10 plagues come. We see the Nile turning into blood. We see invasion of frogs, swarms of gnats and flies, death of livestock, contraction of boils, locusts that cover the earth, storms of hail, darkness over the land for three days, and finally, the death of Egypt's firstborn males. And there's a lot to cover in these chapters, but I just want to give us three brief observations regarding these plagues. And the first is simply, why? Why, why the plagues? Why is this the means by which God is going to bring his people out of Egypt. And simply, we look in Exodus 5, and Moses and Aaron come before Pharaoh and they say, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And simply, the plagues are to show Pharaoh exactly who the Lord is. The Lord says, By this you shall know that I am the Lord when pronouncing these plagues. God is making it fully clear that he is the one in control and that Egypt's gods are nothing. A lot of scholars actually believe that each of these plagues are associated with a specific Egyptian god to say, look at your gods and look how God has toppled them. Our God, the true and living God. And so God is making himself known to Pharaoh. He's making himself known to the Egyptians and he's making himself known to a people who have been in captivity for centuries, who have not been able to worship him rightly as he has called them to. And so he's making himself known to all of these people that they might see him because God has always been about his glory. He's always been about his namesake, that we might know him and worship him rightly. The second thing I think we see that's really important is the importance of complete obedience. We see Moses and Aaron, they come before Pharaoh and they pronounce these plagues and they say, let my people go or this will happen. And the plagues come to fruition and Pharaoh will often find himself saying, okay, some of you can go. The men can go. Or the men and the people can go, but not the livestock. And each time he's trying to find this compromise, this middle ground, but God is not a God of, of compromise. God, when God says something will happen, he will see it through. And so Moses and Aaron say, no, we will do exactly what the Lord commands. We will bring all of the people, all of the livestock out of Egypt, that we may hold this feast and worship him rightly as he has called us to do. And so they won't bow to compromise. They won't say, no, Pharaoh, we'll meet you halfway. They say, Pharaoh, this is what the Lord has said and you will do it or these plagues will come about. And lastly, but I think in some ways most importantly, I want to highlight God's grace in the plagues. And that might sound funny because we see the, the plagues and we, we think of wrath and we see the God of the Old Testament and 
for some reason in our minds, we have labeled him as the wrathful one as if he's a different God. But no, God has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same God that is exacting wrath upon Pharaoh and upon the Egyptians for their enslavement of his people is the same gracious God who saves. We see this in his treatment of the Israelites first and foremost. As plagues are coming and, and treachery is assaulting the people of Egypt, God says, On that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And this is a statement that comes at one of the later plagues, but I think it's appropriate to understand that God, for all of the plagues, is setting apart his people. He's saving them from these plagues to show that his people worship the true and living God. We see this ultimately in his protection of his people in the Passover, as he gives them the, the means, the instructions to save their firstborn as the firstborn of Egypt perish. There's grace in the fact that the Lord would save his people because we have to remember the Israelites are no better than the Egyptians in and of themselves. They're equally sinners, but the Lord has shown grace on them and has chosen them as his people. But not only this, it's important to see that God shows grace to the Egyptians as well. Primarily in his grand description, grand presentation of himself and making himself known to the Egyptians. But more so, we see in Exodus 9, 20 and 21, it says, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And that narrative goes on to say that that hailstorm that Moses and Aaron prophesied to Pharaoh that the Lord would bring to pass did bring to, it did come to pass. And as it comes to pass, those who fear the word of the Lord amongst the servants of Pharaoh, these are Egyptians who hear what God said, believe that he is who he says he is and will say and will do what he will say and what he will do. They, they listen, they protect their livestock, they protect their slaves, and they live. And they are blessed for that. Whereas those who don't listen suffer the consequences. So God shows grace to these Egyptians. And we ultimately, I think, see this in this narrative later on during the Exodus. We see God bringing his people out through the parting of the Red Sea. But notice Exodus twelve thirty-eight. It says, A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. To understand this rightly, we see the with them is alongside the Israelites. So this mixed multitude must be outside of the Israelites and therefore must be a mixture of Egyptians and other Gentiles who are not part of the Israelites, who are not part of the covenant people of God, yet he has grafted them in under his grace and saved them from the wrath that is to come against Egypt. Why? Why would God do this? Because he is the same God of the promise of Genesis 12, that Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. God has always been about his own glory, and he has always been about keeping his word. So when he told Abraham in Genesis 12, you will be a blessing to the nations, this is one of the ways we see it play out. And all the more, this Passover lamb that was sacrificed for the firstborn of the Israelites in Egypt is a picture of a greater Passover lamb. As John the Baptist declares in 
John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The ultimate display of grace to Israelites and Gentiles alike would be the Passover Lamb that is Jesus Christ, who would come and live a sinless life and die on behalf of those who have nothing to offer the Lord, that he might show them grace and make his name known through them as they go throughout the earth and proclaim his glory. Have a great day.